Hey guys, how's it going? Sitting down today. I'm about halfway through my trip out here in Missouri, and uh, man, it's a it's a good time. It's a pretty place. The people are great. Uh, I got to go into some uh, pretty here pretty serious windmill country today, and that was that was wild. It was like the future. It looked like a sci-fi movie. It was pretty sweet. Uh, but it actually, I was down in the southwest part of the state to start off the trip. So I was down in Springfield and ran into a good friend of mine. She's um, She actually probably knows me a good bit more than I know her, uh, and that'll all become very clear in the episode, but she was um, she was actually on the, the nominating committee for the committee that selected my national officer team, uh, so it was pretty cool to get to sit down and talk to her again. I hadn't seen her in a really long time, and it was neat to get to talk about her perspective on that process, what it looked like, the things that she got to do and see and be a part of, and then kind of for me to get to talk to my side of things and, and what I saw going through it. So it was a cool, something that not a lot of people get to see or be a part of unless you're directly involved in it. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Lafontaine, and she's from where at in Connecticut? I'm from Watertown, Connecticut. Specifically, okay. it's about central western part of the state. And then we're in we're in Springfield, Missouri today. So why are you out here? So I came out here for college. Um, I did two years of community college after high school, and then decided that I really wanted to go into agriculture. So I picked ag business, and then I was looking online for schools. I found Missouri State. It was a list of top 25 best colleges of ag in the country. Um, so I came out here for a visit, and I loved, loved the professors, loved everybody in the college, um, and the university, too, so kind of decided it was the place for me, and it gave me a lot of scholarships, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's always good. I, um, I've been out here for, I think, three, yeah, going on the third day. Um, it's a cool little town. Um, Bass Pro started here. There's a ridiculously big Bass Pro shop it's in this town. It's the biggest one in the world. Yeah, no, it's, it's excessive. Um, they've got a, a museum. No, they've got like three museums and an aquarium inside of the store. Um, so I spent like three or four hours in there, and then I walked over to the to the outlet store next door so I could actually afford something. But <laughs> it's uh, it's a neat little town. It's um, I'm not really sure what I expected from Missouri. Um, I'd never been here before. I flew into Springfield, uh, but it's been a good time. I went out to been out to a couple schools. Went over to Monet High School on the first day I was here, and then up to Ashgrove. Spent some time with them, and then was over. I went to a place called Skyline High School, um, but it was pretty much all the high schools in that county all kind of came together and did some stuff with them. And then I'll be be out here for another week. I'm headed up to Kansas City, and then kind of in that part of the state for the rest of the time. Uh, so they're keeping me busy. That's for nice. sure. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, you get to see a good chunk of the state. No, I get pretty much the whole western half of the state. Um, I don't know that I'll get east very much, but yeah, no, I see, <laughs> I see a good bit of the state. It'll be good. It'll be a lot of fun. I, uh, I don't know. Next week will be interesting. I'm doing two. I'm doing like two or three schools a day, um, and I'll do two-hour visits with each one. That's awesome. Yeah, that's which really is cool. fun. Um, but that's a lot at one time. <laughs> but we'll make it work. It'll be a good time. There's um, there's a lot of good FFA members out here. It's uh, it's good to be kind of in more of a like a rural setting. I've done a lot of big cities and state conventions and stuff, which is fun. It's just very different than what I'm doing now. So it's been good. Yeah, that's what's nice about Springfield is that it is a big city, but surrounding it is all these little towns. 
And it's so spread out that it really has that little town vibe, even yeah. though you have everything you need because it's a city. Yeah, it is. I drove through downtown the other day, and it was definitely like the, the classic old school downtown. It was uh, all the little brick buildings that <laughs> still had the old, like the paintings on the side from the yep. big signs with these like old school hardware sign Yeah, they have a butterfly stuff. on the wall. Yeah. Everybody goes and <laughs> takes pictures with it. It's really cool. Uh, okay, I didn't see that. Have you seen the fork as well? The world's largest fork? World's largest fork. No, I Missouri. saw that. I was looking up just like stuff to do in Springfield, and I saw it, but I haven't actually been there. It's cool. It's really neat. Everyone just goes and takes pictures with it. What? Like where is it what is it why is it there? i have no idea why it's there it's outside um, of a building isn't it yeah it's outside of a building and it looks like it's it's standing up in like a salad plate so sometimes people go and they sit under the fork so it looks like uh, like they're, they're getting the stabbed yeah. The <laughs> yeah it's really cute that's cool um, it's just one of those places you got to see that's interesting I, w- I wonder if somebody was just like you know what we need outside of our building today fork. the world's largest <laughs> fork or I wonder if they, like, if they made it, and then they're like, I wonder if this is the largest fork in the world, and then they just, like, decided that it was. Guinness Book of World Records. I don't know. I'm just curious which, I wonder if they set out to do that, or if they did it on accident. I don't know. That's interesting. I wonder, is it, what's it outside of? Like, like an like apartment a, building? It's like a, it has apartments, and it has a lot of restaurants and stuff. Oh, okay. So it's just like a little community sort of thing within Springfield. So it's just right in the center, just a big old fork. <laughs> That's interesting. It seems like every little town that you go to, and not that Springfield is like a little town, but it seems like every town has like one thing that they're like, we're the biggest this, or we have the world's largest fork. or <laughs> The world's largest fork, yeah. world's largest Bass Pro. Yeah, there's um, like weird, so the big city where I'm from is the city of Adasta, and it's tech, like they always call themselves the winningest city in America. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. ESPN did a thing on it one time when I was growing up. Um, so I guess it's true. I don't know if it's still true or Is not. Is that football related? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, so there's, and I have talked about this way too much in this podcast, but the, and it's in my keynote too, so I feel like everybody just thinks I talk about football <laughs> all the time. But um, so I, like, I went to Lowndes County High School, which is the county that the city of Adost is in. Um, and so football is a huge deal there. Our football stadium seats 12,000 people. Uh, <laughs> we have AstroTurf Field. Like live, well my, I think my junior or senior year of high school, we got an HD screen with live instant replay, and it's, it's pretty excessive. Um, and then the city of Aldosta has its own high school and its own school system, and it's the winningest high school football program in North America. That is absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've won um, – They've won something like 12 national championships, um, like ex- excessive amounts of stuff. Uh, pretty much, if you don't – so my – yeah, my senior year of high school, we did make the playoffs for the first time in, I think, 10 or 11 years. Um, and people, like, put moving signs in our head coach's front yard. Like, That's it's crazy. ridiculous. So um, I'm originally from Connecticut, and, I, I mean, we had football in my high school, but it was in no way – like the size and scope of your football team. I don't even think they won a game my whole <laughs> high school career. I think JV, the JV team won a game, I think my senior year, and it was a really big deal. But football games would happen and nobody would go. It was. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> no, know, it was the, nice. Uh, we were big into sports, but football was definitely not one football. of them. <laughs> no, football is pretty much the only sport where I live. Um, the entire, so the entire home side is 6,000 seats, and that sells out in season tickets every, se- every single year. 
That's crazy. Um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty excessive. Um, and a lot of people give them grief for spending all that money on sports, but they make enough. The school makes enough money off the concession stands from one home football game to pay for all of the other sports for the rest of the year. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, it was a big investment, but we've had the same stadium since uh, the 70s or the 80s. Um, and they've only – I mean, they've added on to it and updated it and stuff, but it's not like – there's schools in Texas. Like, there's a school out in Texas that um, – and people in Texas always like to act like they have bigger and better football programs <laughs> than we do, but they don't. They just Texas spend way more money than they need to. Um, there's a high school football stadium out in Texas that's supposedly, like, the best in the world, and it seats 12,000 people. Uh, so the same number of people as ours. And they spent something obnoxious, like seventy million dollars on it. Man, that's um, crazy. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Um, and the thing is, too, like coming to school in Missouri, you know, is definitely a culture shock. Just not what I'm used oh, I'm to. Sure, but yeah. so <laughs> many friends would, you know, go home on the weekends, whether they had to like work or just they wanted to see their family, and they had to be home for the Friday night football game. And I was so confused. I was like, Why are you going to a high school football game? Because I had just never known that. You know, I knew football existed and it was a thing, and people liked it. But we never went to football games in my high school. We didn't really go yeah. to any sport games, any athletics. So. It's just kind of the thing to do. Um, and so the I don't know if you've been watching it. The Little League World Series is on right now. I saw it the other day um, when I was out to eat. And it's it's kind of the same thing. I mean, like people love the Little League Little League World Series because there's no no one's getting paid. No one really like it. At the end of the day, does it really matter? No. But you know, everybody who's playing in the game enjoys what they're doing. They're all nice. And yeah, they're competitive, but it's not. Like, when you get into professional and college-level games, and, like, people get bad attitudes and fight and yell and whatnot. Not that people don't yell and fight uh, at high school football <laughs> games, because that definitely happens, but it's just a much more... Uh, I don't know that family-friendly is the right word, but, I mean, you grew up with everybody, um, especially, like, when I was in high school. I knew everybody in the football team. It's just a community aspect. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's whatever the community does because there's really honestly if we didn't <laughs> if we didn't have high school football <laughs> we wouldn't really have a whole lot to do on the weekends. Um, so it's just I don't know it's that kind of that thing the town gets to talk about. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's yeah it's it's um, it's definitely an interesting beast in the south that's for sure. Um, and not that we didn't have other sports, uh, but football is definitely the sport. Um, like I had a friend on the baseball team, um, and our softball team was pretty good. Our track team was pretty good. But and people didn't really do much of anything else. I remember there was a guy, the school, kind of the next school up that was in our division. So I went to a really, really big high school. Mm -hmm. um, so they, like, the, I lived in the county, and there was one high school for the whole county. And there was an Air Force base that was something like a half or a third of the school that I went to. Um, so I went to high school with 2,800 people. Which is a lot of people yeah. to go to high school with. Absolutely. Um, so the next school up that was in our division for sports, they had a guy, I think my junior, senior year, who signed a basketball scholarship to go play Division One basketball. And that was a big deal. Um, that didn't happen a whole lot. And then I want to say there were some guys who wouldn't play Division One baseball. Uh, there was a guy, the county, so the county north of where I live, we never played them in sports. They were a lot smaller. Um but the county, like my dad works in that county, that's where his vet office is, that's where our farm is. Um, and he was actually my oldest brother's age. He, um, and man, his name escapes me, but he he was the number one baseball prospect in America. Wow. 
um, and signed with them, like just signed in the major leagues. Um, and I think he's up to AAA ball now. What's his name? I want to say his name's Caleb Cowart. That's could exciting, be off of though. That. Yeah, no, it was super cool, yeah. Um, I mean, then again, you know, like from the other perspective, my high school had 800, just about, yeah. maybe give or take every few years. But sports were, you know, everybody played sports. Everyone was on at least a team or two. And it was really nice to have the competition. But since we weren't known for sports, for being good at anything, it was a lot more fun. You know, I remember I did softball freshman year. I'd done it all my life, and I did it freshman year of high school. And it was a ton of fun. You know, we practiced all the time and had games, and we did not win all of our games. <laughs> but, you know, it was enjoyable just to hang out with friends and, you know, play the game and not be so worried about, you know, you don't want to lose a game or lose a championship. Or Yeah, it's, it's definitely a different mentality, that's for sure. Um, there's been several times, because I'm obnoxiously competitive, um, and I think a lot of that definitely comes from where I grew up. Yeah. But, yeah, there's been several times where we'll be, like, playing a game or something Especially like softball at summer camps or different things, and it's like, all right, we don't like, <laughs> we don't actually have to win this game. It's all good. Like, calm down. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting. They um, there's a lot of people who take it very seriously, and for good reason. I mean, I know there was I think five or six guys that I went to high school, my graduated with me that got full ride scholarships to college for playing football. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's a it's a big deal, but it is. You definitely have to keep in mind that it's just a game, too. If you can get a full ride to college, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it makes a difference. There's um, two two or three guys from my high school that are in the NFL right now. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, one, of them, one of them went to, like, he went to the local college where we live, too, um, and just ended up, I don't really know, because I know him. We're not, like, friends or anything. Um he would probably recognize me. I mean, mm-hmm. I I would recognize him, but we didn't never really hung out. He uh, he dated one of my friends in high school. That's like the only time I ever met him. But he went to the local college, played football, and was great. I mean, one of the like one of the best players on the team. Uh, but he plays for the Colts now. Uh, his name's Kenny Moore, and he uh, I don't really know how that happened, um, but he just kind of made it work. Which uh, you know, there's a lot of people who do well with it. Um, they uh, they went undefeated this year the high school team did that's great uh, <laughs> it's yeah. awesome though. i mean which I is think cool it'd be cool to go to those games yeah no know? they um their offense was really really good this year they set the school record for points scored um i think they they played like 10 or 11 games total um seven or eight of which they scored over 50 points um <laughs> <laughs> i've been to a couple college football games and they're exciting but i don't know if they're as exciting as your high schools <laughs> yeah no it's um there's definitely a lot of colleges that don't have as big of a culture around their football teams as we do. Um, they had people tailgated before our high school football games. Um, it was really on Fridays. They would not let them into the high school parking lot until after three thirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they would take over the parking lot. <laughs> they people would probably spend all day out there. Yeah, if they would let them. Um, you had to reserve your tailgate spot. Um, yeah, no, it was wow. it was kind of ridiculous. That's a thing. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. They um, kind of one of the frustrating things though is they. So after my senior year, they made a new division in the state of Georgia. They made another larger division. Uh, it's called Seven A. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most states only go up to Five A, um, but we we go all the way up to Seven A, and it's because it, the city of Atlanta is so big, um, and so they took the largest forty four schools in the state, and made that Seven A, and we're like forty two or forty three or something. Uh, so we went like 
destroyed everybody all season and then got to the playoffs. And we made it to the second round, but when you go play a school in Atlanta that's got like 4,000 students in it, 3,000 students in it, and we're at 2,800, there's just a lot more, <laughs> a lot more better <laughs> players up there. The so best, it's, the it's best hard to do. There. Yeah, it's hard to go well. It's hard to go far in the state championship in the playoffs. Uh, but the, uh, the other city, the city of Adasta, their their team's a lot smaller. Their school's a lot smaller. Uh, but they fit in their division a little better. So it's interesting. There was a um, – this past weekend, actually, there was a 3A school from the state of Georgia that played a 7A school out of the state of Alabama and beat them. Man, um, <laughs> look at that. Yeah, so football is a big deal. That's for sure. Yeah, that's exciting, though. Yeah, it was fun. So now we met – I don't know that we met before. We met at national convention mm-hmm. this year. Yes, this past year. So you, I obviously was running for national office, um, and you were on the nominating committee that selected the national officer team. Um, so most, I feel like most people probably don't know exactly how that process works, uh, but essentially you were picked to serve on the nominating committee, and we got there. I don't know when you got there. We got there the Friday before. I think we got there on the Wednesday before. Okay. We had a few sense. days of training and, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. kind of figuring out how the process worked and, you know, what our role was in that process and your role. and. Yeah, and they, uh, you guys worked way harder that week <laughs> than, than we did. Because, uh, we, I mean, we had a lot of interviews. I mean, it was something like 13 or 14 rounds of interviews, I think, when you wrote them all down. But I, did, I had, like, one or two interviews a day, and y'all listened to everybody the entire time. Yeah, it was early mornings. Um, interviews all day, lunch, interviews for the rest of the day, and then we would eat dinner, and that night it would either be, um, you know, talking about the day or talking about the next day or what the plan was, and so it was a constant um, growth, I guess I would say. It was a new process this year, um, so they kind of took the parts from the old process that they didn't like, and they changed those, and they kept the parts that they did like, and so it was definitely more of an exploratory year of figuring out, okay, you know, what went well today? What can we change for next year? How can we continually make this better? So I really liked that part of the process. You know, it was nice to kind of sit down every day and say, (coughs) okay, this went really well. Let's keep this. Um, And it was was really nice. We didn't get to bed (laughs) too early. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no sleep at all. but, you know, it was nice. It was exciting. The interviews were always fun um, when you're interviewing, you know, upwards of 40 candidates. You know, it does. In the beginning, you think that your mind would get kind of blurred and people would run together. But in reality, it really wasn't like that. You know, you really were able to sit down and take the time and give each candidate, you know, the attention that they needed to be in that interview room. So it was a neat perspective, I have to say. Yeah, that would be really cool. I because um, I I ran for national office twice, um, and I so I got to see what it was before, and then I got to see it again this year. Um, and I definitely liked a lot of the changes that they made. Um, I don't know how much you know about the way it was before this year, um, but like there there was a test the year before that they don't have anymore, which is great. Um, <laughs> probably not one a good of test the, taker. <laughs> no, I am a pretty good test taker. The test itself was just ridiculous. Like it wasn't. And it was, I don't know, like it was useful information, but it was also, like by the time you get to that level of like running for national office, people know all the basic stuff that you should know. People probably know that. So to make the test where people aren't getting perfect scores on it all the time, they just had really unnecessary information on it, like who was the first star in agri-science or who painted the mural on the wall in the National FFA Center, just, like, 
stuff that's I guess is cool to know. Yeah, it's cool to know, but it's not really necessary. Um, And it just took a it took a lot of time to get ready for that, and I felt like that was not really what I should have been putting time into (laughs) getting ready. Yeah, I think I liked how the new process was run, and um, I had a lot of friends the last few years that had gone through the old process and had found parts that they didn't like and they didn't feel like they could, you know, be themselves or um, kind of shine in their talents. And so, you know, coming into the new process, I think I was skeptical, you know, because the only things I had ever heard about the process were bad. And, you know, I definitely had this thing in the back of my mind going, okay, you know, what is this? Let me figure this out because everything I've heard has been bad. And I was totally, total 180, you know, just sitting down and, figuring out, you know, okay, hey, this is what the process is. You know, we had three days of training before all the candidates showed up. So we really got to understand, you know, each other and the questions and the rounds and the different interviews and what all of those meant and what we were looking for in each round and, you know, kind of the big picture as well. So it was really nice to be able to go through that process step by step before the candidates got there and say, okay, this is this was changed, and this was why it was changed, and this is what we hope that it will do. And then in those debriefs every night, we would say, did this accomplish the goal? You know, and more often than not, that was yes. You know, which was, it was really nice to see that, it, you know, change is good, change is implemented, um, and it really works. You know, we felt that the candidates were open and honest, and, you know, that was what we wanted, so. Yeah, that's good. I definitely think, before the changes, I mean, it wasn't a bad process, but yeah, there was definitely parts where it, and for whatever reason, it had kind of, it had started off really well, um, but people had kind of figured it out, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, people had figured out what they needed to say and what round in order to do well. Um, and, I mean, that only gets people so far. Um, I mean, obviously, if you just tell them what they want to hear, like, they, people can pick yeah. that up pretty start, pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it definitely... It took away, because of that, you kind of lost a lot of that freedom you had to say whatever you wanted because you felt like you had to say what needed to be said first. Uh, Yeah, so in the old process, everything was visible. You had your competencies, and then you had what's called a builder and an indicator, um, and that's just kind of a way to hit the competency. And so in the old process, those were completely visible. Uh, I remember I was helping one of my friends study for national office a few years ago, and he had all of these papers with all of these you know, charts everywhere. And it was a competency and a builder and an indicator. And I remember looking at it and I was so confused. I did not understand it. And I was like, how are you going to memorize these? You know, because at that point it was, it was a memory game of, you know, what do I have to talk about in this round to get the most points? And so that was really nice about the change too, is that now um, all of those are completely new, but they're also hidden. So it's, less of a game of memorization of the right thing and the right round and just kind of knowing, you know, overall as a candidate, like what's your goal and how do you want to present yourself? And then that's what you do every round. You know, your attitude or the words that you say don't change round to round because you know that the, the nominating committee is looking for a specific detail because that's not what the whole point of running for national office is. You know, it's about going into the interview room and being yourself and answering those questions to the best of your ability and then, you know, if you are the right person to get selected for national office, then that's what's going to happen. You know, and if not, then you'll find another path in life and it'll be just as great. But I think I appreciated how the new process just kind of allowed people to be their true selves in every single situation. 
Yeah, that's for sure. The um, and those competencies competencies for people who have never seen them before was things like teamwork, and then the builder would have been because so, so all of the interview questions were behavioral based interview questions. So it was stuff like, tell me about a time when you were on a team and two people didn't get along. What'd you do? Uh, so the builder would be like there was a disagreement among the team, and then the indicator would be like what did you do to promote teamwork? Um, then. So if you had all those laid out in front of you and you had six months to study. You knew exactly that, you know, in a personal round one, they were going to ask you a question about teamwork. And you knew that you had to say you had a problem with a teammate and this is how you fixed it. You know, so you knew that going in. So the new process, you just, you don't know what's going to happen in that interview. You know, yeah. so the answers are, you know, more raw, you know, unstaged and you get the true answer which is what the nominating committee is looking for. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's not that we didn't, like, it wasn't a secret. Yeah. <laughs> we knew, like, okay, they're probably going to talk to us about teamwork and communication and leadership. Like, I you kind of know. Those are the big FFA things. Yeah, you know? like, you can figure out to an extent what they're going to ask you about. And I, like, logically thinking, there's only so many behavioral-based interview questions that you can come <laughs> up with. Uh, but, yeah, it definitely, the thing I really liked about it was it wasn't, I felt like it was a lot more, eh, I don't know that it was more open-ended, but it was more open-ended from my side of things this year. Because um, you knew, like, okay, nobody else really knows what's going on either. <laughs> um, so I just kind of, I don't know, go for it. Um, and yeah, there was a lot more freedom in it to do kind of whatever you wanted. I think it was fun, too. You know, we had the time to at least get the know the get to know the candidates and I think the way you know the nominating committee that I was on we kind of looked at it differently you know we didn't want to be strict and have people scared to come in the interview room you know we wanted the candidates to feel comfortable and so in turn you know we were comfortable first with the candidates and then they sat down and they were like okay it's okay if I just sit here and talk you know it doesn't have to be so formal and so scripted it can just be a conversation because in all reality that's what an interview is and you know as a national officer you can attest to this you know how many people you talk to on a daily basis whether that's members teachers or CEOs of huge companies you know and most of that is a conversation you know you're not sitting down having to say things exactly at the right moment and it's a formal scripted thing it's a conversation that you have to just naturally be able to um, kind of find your way in that conversation. Yeah, that's for sure. I um, yeah, I talk to an obnoxious amount of people every day, uh, the vast majority of whom I have never met before, um, and they know an awful lot about me, and I don't know anything about them. Um, and that was one of the interesting things too. After we got elected, because um, I like I knew James Cash was on the nominating committee before I got there, um, and he was about the only one. Um, and all of y'all know an awful lot about us, uh, but we don't like, and there's a couple rounds, like the one-on-one -on -one rounds where we can ask questions back. Yeah. If there's some um, extra time, but it's not like there's not, the point is not to get to know the nominating committee <laughs> member. Um, so I, I didn't really know anything about y'all until after the year and we got to talk a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, by the time you get through 13 or 14 rounds of interviews, um, even if they're 10 to 15 minutes, I mean, that's a couple hours of conversation mm -hmm. that you're having with somebody uh, so yeah you can you can really get to know people really well that's for sure yeah I really understand what you're saying because I feel like I knew you really well before you got elected you know like through the nominating nominating process like all the candidates you know you get to know about you know you get to know their history in FFA and like why they do the things that you do and then you know you guys don't really know about us we just kind of sit there and figure it out but in a way that's that's what the process is, and it's there for a purpose, so it's exciting, but 
Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. I've uh, and I've gotten I haven't seen everybody on the road. Um, I haven't seen Sierra. I haven't, which I haven't really made it out to the West Coast bunch a bunch. Um, but yeah, I've gotten to see a bunch of people um, after the process, um, and they it was funny because they could remember very specific things that I said. And I was like, "How do you know that about me?" Um, it was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, like you listened to me talk for two hours one time." Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting to get to know them. That's for sure. So now, when you so you like you didn't get randomly selected to be on the nominating committee. No, so there is an application process. So you have to get nominated by someone. Um, usually, it's uh, a teacher or you know someone on state staff. And then once your nomination is approved, you get an application. And I think the one that I filled out had four essays. Uh, they were about a thousand words. And then it was a short video. So I think it was three minutes long. And it was just kind of introduce yourself and why you want to serve on the nominating committee. And then the questions were sort of the same thing. Um, general, broad, but enough to get a, a good statement out of it. So yeah, I put it in the application and it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So why, like, why did you decide to r- try to be on the nominating committee? So I really, um, I had always wanted to run for national office, you know, and it just, it didn't work out in the cards. So I was kind of, after state office, I was looking for a way to still be involved because I still wanted to give back. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know what it would be. I didn't know if I was going to stay in Connecticut and finish my school or if I was going to move somewhere else. And so I didn't know what that FFA future, you know, looked like. And I was already a sophomore in college when I was a state officer. So I was kind of late in the game. And then I was at New Hampshire's state convention um, with their state officers. And I had a really good conversation um, with Victoria Harris. And we were just talking about, you know, national office and what it was like for her. Um, And then she brought up the idea of the nominating committee. And it was never really something that I had thought of before. I knew that it existed, knew that it was a thing. Um, And she really, you know, piqued my interest. I thought it was interesting. And I was like, I never really understood that side of the process. You know, the only thing I knew about the process was from people I knew um, that got elected or didn't get elected. And, you know, so that's everyone has their own opinion of it. So it's really interesting. And I kind of looked into it after that conversation. Um, and I found out about the application and I saw about some other people who had done it before and really enjoyed it. And so I figured I would just give it a shot. And I ended up being able to talk to a few more of the national officers that year and kind of just ask them more details about it, you know, figuring out was this something that I wanted to do that I was truly interested in and honestly something that I would be good at. You know, I wouldn't want to put myself in a situation um, that it wouldn't benefit the candidates who are running because it is such a big deal. You know, it's national office. There's only six people every year. And to go from one person from every state to picking six, you know, it's it's a big deal. And it's kind of a big weight on your shoulders. So just being able to figure out um, those few months, you know, was this something that I was really interested in? And the answer was yes. And I um, applied and got it. And it was super exciting. And I loved it. Loved the whole thing. Yeah, no, it, it's that's cool. It is a big deal. Uh, we So for people who don't know, the National Officer Team actually picks the nominating committee for the upcoming year. And probably a week and a half ago, two weeks, something like that, uh, we sat down and picked the the upcoming one, uh, and the names of which I don't think have been released yet. Um, or I, I don't know that any information has been released yet on it, so I probably but better not share anything on here. But um, yeah, no, it's it's it is a big deal. We uh, there was this very odd moment right at the end when we finished picking the last person, and we had the nine people, and then 
at this point we know like we know who all the candidates are as well um so it has like become very apparent like okay there's gonna be like these are the nine people who are gonna select six names off of this other list that we also have to find the next team it like takes a moment to set in yeah you just sit there and you're like wow you know, when we were there at convention, we were sitting there on Wednesday, the first day, and we were like, in a week and a half, we're going to have new national officers. You know, and it was it was a weight on your shoulders. You were like, this is a big decision, you know, and we treated it like that, which is important. Um, we had some a good, um, good adults that were there kind of guiding us through the process the whole step of the way. But it was, yeah, it was, it was really exciting, you know, knowing that it was such a big decision that was going to impact so many people. Um and it really is almost like a thankless job because, I mean, nobody really knows, like, who's on NomCom, you know, and nobody really talks about it, and that's okay. And it's just exciting, and just intrinsically knowing, like, okay, we made a decision, and we elected six people, and look what they've all done throughout the year. And I've had a chance to see your team, um, not all of you. I think I've missed a few of you, but I've a few of you I've seen more than once, you know, and it's honestly exciting to be able to talk to you and see – okay, wh- what did you enjoy the most? You know, what was your favorite part? And trying to remember, like, from our interviews, you know, what your personality was and kind of what you were excited about and then to see you actually go out and do that. And I think that's so rewarding, you know, at least from a NomCom perspective, is just to see you um, get elected into this role and then kind of grow and change with it um, and be able to adapt and change the lives of everybody that you meet. And so it's... It's really neat and really rewarding. Yeah, it would be. It's um, it is. I, yeah, it's one of those things that I th- feel like most most FFA members, if they didn't know, probably just assume that the national delegates sort all that out at national convention. Um, and I remember when I like, I can't really remember when, but I remember learning about the NomCom for the first time, being like, "Oh, that's odd. Like, that's not how I thought that would work." Not that I had an idea of what it was, but I was like, "Hmm, that's different than what I would have picked." Um, and having gone through it a couple times, it, it definitely works really well. Um, there's there's definitely a reason why we do it that way, and I don't know. It's it's interesting. I wonder from your perspective. Like, there's a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of people who run. Um, and please don't use any specific names in this or anything. And there's a lot of stuff that like you can't share about it, which yeah. is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sitting through those interviews and, and you've talked a lot about like getting to know us really well. Um, and seeing specific things like how easy was that to pick out like those those little personality things good or bad or just like things that you could tell like we were really interested in did that stick out really well or was there like a specific round where you could figure a lot yeah, of that kind I of mean, stuff out it kind of depended on the person honestly you know some people are very open and very bubbly and then you know personal round one is the first interview so it's the first time that we officially formally meet you um and some people come in And within the first 30 seconds, you know, you kind of know exactly who they are and you know their personality, you know what they stand for and they just talk freely and that's them and you you see that and you understand it. And then other people, you know, it takes a day or two or at least a few interviews to kind of get them to feel comfortable enough with you to open up and share that true personality and, you know, the motives and why they're here. And so... You know, like I said before, we wanted to make the candidates feel comfortable. And that was a huge thing. It's like we don't want somebody good to slip through the cracks just because they don't feel comfortable enough to open up in personal round one. So it was a whole um, 
thought process. I mean, everything in that process is there for a reason and it has a purpose and 10,000 reasons about why it should be there, which was, it's interesting to learn. And so actually being able to, you know, have our training and then start the process and go through these rounds, being able to see how easy it was for people to open up with nine strangers that they, most of the times they didn't know us, you know, occasionally I had met some people during my year of state office, but you know, they didn't know who we were. And so for them to just open up and start talking about their life, you know, you can definitely see personality traits at the beginning. You know, you can see who's quiet. You can see who's more of a loud, um, extroverted person. And so, yeah, it's, it's neat. You can pick it out. But, and they're not really bad things. I mean, of course, there's some things that aren't as good as others, but it wasn't like, wow, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was more so just realizing the good parts of people um, and kind of what they bring to the table and how that would work as a national officer. Yeah, I feel like by the time you get there, there's no, there's no like crazy people who make it to <laughs> the national <laughs> there's officer. There's no crazy mistakes. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's no crazy people who make it to that level. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. You know, you go from 40 something down to six. You know, and it's not an easy decision because everybody is the best of the best in their state. And they have, like, they got elected to be their um, national officer candidate from their state. And then they have months and months of training. And, you know, with that, I think the training that each person goes through is different, you know, depending on who they are. I had some friends that would, they would go to a bunch of teachers from high school. They would go to some college professors that didn't know about FFA. And then they would have a bunch of FFA mentors. So a lot of the times having a coach, you know, wasn't just one person. It was having a variety of different people to coach them in different ways from different perspectives. And so it's neat to be able to see people, um, you know, come in and we interview them and you kind of get their background, you know, and there are really no big mistakes because everybody at that point is the best of the best and they have learned, you know, about themselves enough to, to talk about that and talk about it freely. So it's in the beginning, you look at it and I remember thinking myself, like, how are we going to pick six? You know, there are so many good people here. How does it get down to six? You know, and a lot of my other nominating committee members, we all felt the same way. Um, and it was the process really kind of smoothed out that transition and just, you know, following the interviews and the schedule and it just kind of made it work. And then, you know, sitting down at the end of the week, you know, after we had made our decision, I think it was such a feeling of relief, but it was so content because I knew that a week before I had felt like I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, we'd interviewed everybody and I was like, they're all great, <laughs> you know, and we had picked the six and it was just really easy on your mind saying that, okay, I know that we picked the right people for this. Um, so yeah, it was, it's a really interesting feeling. Yeah, the um, especially the preparation process. I'm sure it looks very different for, for y'all than it did for us. Uh, but I, th I, I do think a lot of that kind of lends into the person, too. Um, I mean, there's because there's a lot of there's a lot of different moving parts of that process. Um, so help me if I miss one. But there so there's the personal rounds mm -hmm. um, and there's two of those, I think. Yep, there's one. It's the first the one first and then one the last, last one. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's an interview with you and then the entire committee. Mm -hmm. And then there's one-on-one -on -one interviews. So you and one person from the committee, you sit down with all nine people. Um, you write two essays. And then you've got, like, stakeholder interviews. So, and I don't know, I, I can't remember now. It's so long ago. Um, it can be either, like, a teacher. It could be uh, 
an educator of some so like a principal or a superintendent or somebody from industry like so a farmer or somebody along those lines um there's media interviews um trying to i think that covered most everything uh there's a stand and deliver stand too, and deliver yeah so they you know, give like you a topic speech, yeah. essentially there's the facilitation round yeah um which That's is awful a fun one it's a fun one <laughs> <laughs> that one was just hard because it's not i mean facilitation is just hard i mean it teachers can back me up on this like anybody who's ever done it it's just a hard thing to do and to do well um and to facilitate with nine people watching you yeah yeah that was kind of weird um but you like very quickly you can kind of tune y'all out and, and focus on what you're doing um but and it's a lot better after they made the changes that they made than it was before um so before you had i think you had 15 minutes to come up with a five minute segment of a workshop um and they kind of told you they said like this is what you just did this is what you're about to do do the five minutes in the middle which is a very weird... It does make it challenging. Yeah, because it's not... I mean, no two people facilitate in the same way. Um, and I like I do a lot of things differently than most people do, and I've, which I'm sure everybody says that. But to say, like, all right, this is what just happened. This is where you're trying to go. It kind of narrows down what you can do a lot. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of freedom in that. And, like, having five minutes, you can't really... And he's like, two minutes of that is introduction and making sure that the people in the room know who you are and why they should listen to you. So I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't enough time to accomplish anything worthwhile. Um, and they obviously felt the same way. So now it's, I think you have 30 minutes to come up with a 15-minute segment mm-hmm. of a That's workshop. Correct. And it's a lot more, I mean, you still have a prompt topic that kind of tells you what to talk about. But you have a lot more freedom and a lot more time to do kind of whatever you want. I think... I really enjoyed the facilitation round because it was so, you know, laid back in a way that every candidate facilitated in the way that they were comfortable. And um, so National FFA has a template for how to do a workshop. Um, And a lot of states use it for their state officers, but there are a lot of states that don't. And so it was really interesting being able to sit there and watch people facilitate and see, you know, okay, they didn't use the template, but they did this. And that was really, really cool. And saying that, hey, they used the template, you know, they did great. And the template wasn't, you know, a necessary thing, but it was neat being able to, you know, see the differences because my state was one of those states that we used that workshop template. And so I was very familiar with it and, you know, how everything built on each other. And it was awesome being able to see people that didn't use that and had a different way of facilitating. And it just brought out a different aspect of the kids that were in that room. And so it was exciting to see people, you know, they said funny things and the kids laughed or they said serious things. And, you know, the kids kind of really felt that with them. And so it was fun to kind of be in that room and just, you know, laugh when you guys laughed, you know, and understand the serious moments. Yeah, because there's, there's several of those rounds where y'all are in the room, but you're not actively participating, you're just watching. Um, and one of the really cool things about the facilitation round is actually bring in um, I, live FFA members isn't the right way to put it. They uh, are. <laughs> you, I mean, they are, but so they bring in, I'm not sure how they figured this out, but they picked two chapters. Mm-hmm. Um and bring them in every year. And I actually got to meet the ones that I had. Uh, they were from Paris, Tennessee. And I went to, I th- yeah, it would have been at ten- Tennessee's FFA camp is mm-hmm. when I saw them. And I don't know, I was I was literally the very first one to go, uh, which was hard because they, like, they didn't know what they were doing. I didn't really know what was going on. We were uh, just sitting there watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all were just sitting there staring at us. Uh, and I think that made them probably more uncomfortable than anything else, but... It was, um, it was, yeah, it was cool to do that just because it was a, 
It's very different. I mean, because for everything else other than I think the media interviews and the stakeholder interviews, we talk to y'all, um, and we like we all hang out at the same hotel. So it's either you talk to the nominating committee in the interviews, or you talk to the other candidates when you're not in the interviews. Uh, so to see a, a new fresh, new fresh face was very, very nice. Yeah, I think you guys get to know each other real well. You know, in the nominating committee too. We only were allowed to hang out with each other. Yeah, you so, guys like seriously, we're only allowed to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, we weren't allowed to talk to anybody else. It was truly, we were locked in a hotel for a week and a half. You know, and it was it was nice though. My roommate uh, Anna Catherine. She was such a sweetheart, and we never went to bed on time. We would always just stay up talking for hours, and, you know, it was exciting. It was nice, and just as a committee, we bonded, you know, right away. We had, like, inside jokes day two, you know, and it was it was really fun just as a group to kind of hang out and do this process together, you know, because it is challenging, and it's certainly fun as well. There's there's fun moments, like facilitation around and but there's serious moments, you know, like personal round two is notoriously known for being yeah. serious, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so candidates are like freaking out because they're like, what should I do in personal round two? You know, it just has this stereotype about it. Um, and just being able to, you know, as a group of nominating committees, uh, nominating committee members, just being able to like, OK, this is what they expect. You know, how can we you know, make that comfortable? So, yeah, I can remember uh, one time. And I was telling you about this the other day before we went live and we're kind of talking about it. Um, we are in the hotel that we're in. is a very oddly laid out hotel. Um, it's called the Crown Plaza. It's in Indianapolis. It's a really cool place. Um, it's an old train station. It's beautiful on the inside. It has the trains in it. Has, yeah, it has yeah. trains <laughs> on the second floor, which is kind of odd. Um, but we so – and the, ho- the elevators are in the middle of the hotel. And so I was walking, walking towards the elevator, and I can't remember what I was coming from. Um, but it was kind of after – Interviews had finished, but I'd, the nominating committee hadn't gone in the room to figure out who was on the team. Um, and not that they're, like, weird about it, but they tell us up front at the beginning of the week, like, hey, don't talk to the nominating committee members because that's just going to be weird for everyone when you're not in the <laughs> yeah. interview room. And it is. Um, and so I was walking to the elevator, and I kind of turned the corner, and I see Sierra Bryant, who's from California, and she was on the nominating committee. Um, and she, she's also clearly headed towards the elevator. Um, but she's a lot closer than I was, and so she like she turns the corner, and right before I get there, I can hear her pressing the elevator <laughs> button just like over and over and over, click 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 click. Um, and I felt really bad because I did like, not that I was going to be weird about it, but like obviously we weren't supposed to like talk, and it would be weird to stand on an elevator with somebody and not say anything. It's like the worst fifteen seconds yeah. <laughs> of silence. <laughs> um, and so I try like tried to slow down, but I still ended up having to get on the elevator with her because I didn't want to just be like, oh no, you go ahead and like wait. Because that would have been just as weird. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is like being able to like see those people and make conversation because you'd normally say like, oh, how was your day? But like, I know yeah. how your day was and <laughs> yeah. you already know how my day was. So you're just kind of sitting there going, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of point. friends that were running for national office when I was on the committee, you know, so I knew these people already. And it was just hard, like being able to not talk to them in the way that I normally would, you know, because we were friends. So it was an adjustment, and it was just way easier to not see anybody outside of the inter- interview room other than, yeah, we don't want to yeah, see them. No, that's it for sure. It weird. Uh, but, yeah, that second personal round, um, which it didn't really bother me as much. Uh, but, yeah, people take that one pretty seriously, and, and for good reason. I mean, it's the last time you sit in front of the nominating committee before they figure out who's going to be on the team. Um, in, in some way, whether it's like done intentionally, whether they leave this for the last question or not, um, like at some point you pretty like 
the whatever the last thing that you say to them is the last thing that you say to them. Uh, so there's a lot of intentionality and thought that goes into that. Um, and a lot of people like cry and get all wound up. Like I didn't do that. I like it was very serious. Um, and I had definitely thought about what I was going to say before I went in the room. But yeah, that's a. I don't know, that would be a rough day to sit, have to sit through everybody's one of those. Yeah, and we had some deep questions, too. And I yeah. remember that, and just sitting in there and asking the questions and being like, man, this is the last time that we're going to see this candidate before we have to make a decision about, you know, whether or not, like, national office is the right path for them. You know, and it's it's hard sitting there and seeing that interview and trying to figure it out, you know, and then going, okay, this is the good things, you know, this is this is the not so good things, you know, where can we go from here? Um, I mean, that round was really nice in a way, though, because you really get to know the people. And I think it's set up that it's only a few hours that we spend with each individual candidate. So when you look at that and you say, OK, like two or three hours over an entire week, that's not a lot of time. Um, but in a way, it's kind of the perfect amount of time because we get to see everything about you from a different perspective, you know, in the different rounds and how you interact with us, how you interact with members, how you'd interact, you know, with a stakeholder in a media round. Um, and then personal round two at the end is just kind of a nice way to, to close that up, you know, to see everything and see how it comes together and then let you have like one final conversation with the committee. Um, but some deep questions, you know, not purposely meant to make you cry, but, you know, yeah. some people some people are criers and they go into that. But, yeah. you know, everybody kind of does what makes them, you know, most comfortable in that round. And that's that's the funny thing. Some people laugh, you know, some people cry. Some people are just, you know, serious. They were just themselves. And I think that was the goal that we wanted during the whole process was we wanted the candidates to be exactly who they were and no one else. And being able to sit in, you know, personal round two and see that and see that that was actually the case that was a really rewarding thing to see that, okay, this worked, you know, not just on our end, but on their end. Yeah, but it would be. Was there a round, um, and you may not have one, but was there, was there a round that you can remember, like, very vividly that you, like, enjoyed more than the other ones or you had, like, a favorite one? I really liked all the rounds, but I think that my favorite was probably the one-on-one -on -one interviews because a lot of the times um, – like candidates would finish the questions early and it was timed. Um, so you had a minute or two minutes to just talk openly, you know, with a candidate. And it was nice to just stop typing for a second and sit back and be like, okay, what'd you do yesterday? You know, how was your day? And because, you know, you have 20 minutes of an interview every day and then you have the whole day to do whatever you want in Indianapolis. And so it was almost nice to just have a normal conversation that's not being like critiqued. You know, every word you say is not being evaluated. It's just more of a relaxed vibe of, okay, like, thanks, you're here. Great, let's have a conversation. So I think that was my favorite. Um, and especially because I knew a lot of the people that were running, it was nice to say, oh, how was the rest of your sit officer year? Or, you know, what have you done since then? So it was a good way to catch up, but just be definitely more relaxed. So I yeah. love that one. That's good. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed those two. Uh, for the the same reason, it's the only one that you're allowed to uh, talk back to the nominating or ask things of the nominating committee. They are not allowed to talk back to you in any other round other than that. Mm -hmm. um, it was which is good for a couple reasons because yeah. there are several times uh, where I would talk about like archery or not any number of the odd things that I do, <laughs> um, and I'd be like, "Do you does this make any sense at all? Like, do you have any idea what I'm talking about right now?" Um, and they would say yes or no, and then I could clarify, which was good. 
Uh, but yeah, those times at the end where it was just kind of like, who, like, I've talked to you for a really, really long time, and I don't know anything about you. Like, let's, I want to get to know you a little bit more, too. It was uh, almost so was weird when people would ask me a question in the one-on-one rounds. I was like, this is weird. Like, I'm supposed to be asking you the question, you know, but it was definitely nice to go back and forth like that. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, after everything ends, I mean, personal round two, the last person's gone through that. It's um, Friday, Thursday night, Friday night? Friday. Mm-hmm. Friday. Well, Thursday night because we were free on Friday, yeah. And then, so at what point, like how quickly after that ends do you guys, I've always referred to it as going into the room. Going I, do into you the actually, room. I assume you are in some kind of a room. I mean. What does that part look throughout like? Throughout the day, we were in many rooms. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we just, we had most of Thursday to kind of, you know, decide. And, you know, a lot of that was, there was like an individual portion and there was, you know, the team, obviously. Um, we were just getting together and... It was a it was a long day for sure. We definitely had we have time and but it was a long process, you know, for the right reason. You have to pick the right people. Um, so it was it was just neat to be able to you know go into the room as you say and just kind of discuss that and discuss the different reasons behind who we chose, you know. And um, at the end of the day, walking away from that room like feeling so confident in the people that would soon be elected to the national office. You know, it was almost like a, a jittery feeling, you know, you you grow up in FFA and you, you see like, oh, national officers, you know, it's kind of this bubble up there that mm-hmm. looks really cool. And then being able to be on the committee and be so close to the process and kind of understand, you know, why things are the way that they are. And then I think honestly, the best part of the process was Saturday when you guys got elected because... We were standing off to the side, and so they were calling the names, and, you know, everybody knows when that music comes on, it's the election music, and, you know, everybody kind of starts shaking, and they get really nervous, um, and we're all just sitting on the side of the stage, we're just kind of, we're just rocking back and forth, you know, holding hands, and then you guys get elected, and I think half of you fell walking up to the stage, and... Yeah, I think <laughs> I was the only one who didn't, yeah. It was, it was awesome. I think you jumped, didn't you jump over a ramp? Yeah, I, yeah, no, I was in the front, I was in the very mid, there's two, they put us in two rows. Yeah. Um, and so I was in the very middle and it was by state, like they had a side mm-hmm. seat tour. So I was in the very middle of the front row and I was like, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not getting out of this aisle anytime <laughs> soon. So I just hopped over the rail. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was awesome to see live, you know, I think just to see the reactions of people who get elected, you know, it's a life changing thing. You guys take a year off of school and you travel. Um, so it was, that was the best part for me was just standing there with the other like eight people on NomCom. And just saying, like, okay, like, this is the work that was done this past week. And, you know, like, it was just, like, a validation of, okay, this, you know, these are the right people. Um, and just seeing you all run on the stage, and you're crying, and we're crying, and, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a good moment. And then, you know, throughout the year when we see you, um, we have a little group chat, and we'd send a picture and be like, oh, look who I saw, you know. And it was, it's nice to be able to kind of catch up with you and, you know see that you still love it which is good <laughs> yeah that's for sure it's been uh but yeah it's it's been a good year but there was definitely that moment kind of that same thing uh where like you they call your name out you're on stage and you're like oh this is weird like i am an ash officer um what was that feeling like for you like the moment that odd. you stepped on the stage and you just have uh, the lights well there's not there's not a lot of thought that happens <laughs> in that moment to be honest with you um because that and that's all like that's a really big blur i mean i remember it like we they called my name out. I hopped over the rail, ran up there. They called everybody else out. They took us backstage, and they had this weird little curtained-off section. And they took our phones from us, and 
because our immediately our phones just started going off. Yeah. Um, and they're like, just put it in this bag. We'll give it back to you in a second. Um, and then they they made us take everything out of our jacket pockets on the inside because we were about to take it off. And then they uh, kind of explained like, all right, like <laughs> you were actually on the team. <laughs> you're not imagining this. And then. They explain, like, in a second, you're going to go, like, we're going to take you back up there. You're going to go on stage. Um, you'll stand next to your assigned person. They know who you are. Don't worry about trying to keep that in your head right now. Like, they've got you. Um, you'll take the jacket off, put the new one on, and then come back off the stage. Like, it's not that you just stand there. It's not mm-hmm. hard. Um, and that was the first time that we, which I had met him before, um, but that was the first time we met our coach, Mr. Cody Beck. Uh, he's been on a couple times. <laughs> Um, and he, so he was kind of managing that and letting us know what was going on. Um, but it, I, don't, I don't know. It's very, like, it doesn't seem, I don't seem like a national officer, like to myself. There's <laughs> never been a moment where I was like, I am a national FFA officer. Like, that doesn't, I yeah. don't know. It doesn't really happen. There's been several odd moments where, like, I'll see, because the, the back of our jacket doesn't have anything on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I never see the back of my jacket, so it doesn't register a lot. Uh, but I'll see a teammate or something, and I'm like, oh, it's a national officer. And you're like, uh, wait, I am too. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Um, but it, I don't know, it's just odd. Because um, it's, it's one of those things where when you don't know them and you're not one, it seems like such a big deal. And then to be one, and to have, like to have people get really uncomfortable when they meet you for the first time, or to have people want to take pictures with you or I've had I literally no lie I had several people ask me at their state conventions they'd have the the words escaping me not a catalog um what's the word the convention little notebook thing you know what I'm talking about oh like the just the book like the yeah the convention booklet I think I've always just sure called yeah it that. convention yeah. booklet um so like and my picture will be in there so like Ian's speaking in the session blah blah, blah and people will want me to sign that <laughs> Um, just really yeah no i I mean to an extent yeah i kind of am which is really really weird yeah um i mean at no point have i ever done anything to need any of that um so it is it is odd to to be in that position but at the same time um it's like incredibly cool um i get to go places and do see do and see things that no one else really gets to see um i mean i've been this is Missouri State 34. 34 out of 50. states in one yeah, year. In one year, yeah. Um, and there's a couple, I think like South Carolina I've been to before. Um, and Alabama I've been to before and I haven't gone there this year. So I've, I think I've been to like 37 of the 50 states now, if I had to guess. I've been to 36, but that's a whole lifetime. You yeah, know, that's no, a whole lifetime of travel and you've done it in a year. It's obnoxious. I live out of a suitcase. Um, I literally travel full time. Like even when I go home, I go home every six to eight weeks and when i go home i'm there for two or three days I yeah mean, it's not like i go home for long just a little bit to catch up and yeah, i do again. laundry and leave yeah <laughs> um and it's i don't know it's odd to see a lot of the little things that we do that you don't realize other people do like living out of a suitcase um I, there's a lot of people who are like oh how long did it take you to drive here and it's really or i'm in arizona right now like, i didn't drive <laughs> here from georgia i flew here from yeah. iowa um, and I don't know, a lot of people just don't realize that we, like how much of what we do. And I really didn't either. Um, uh, cause it's one thing to hear it, but then to live 
on the road like we do and go from one place to another place to another place. It's, it's I think the last time I heard the statistic, it was like 50% of your year is traveling. Like you spend half your year on a plane or in a car. You know, you don't think about it until you live it, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I fly once a week probably. Yeah. Um, there was a solid three-month span probably from February to the end of May where I would say on average I changed hotel rooms every day until state convention started. Uh, <laughs> which <laughs> is really bizarre. living out of your suitcase yeah. then oh yeah no it's a very odd to have the system down so well to where i can literally pack up every single thing that i need to like sustain myself mm-hmm. long term in 10 minutes and then leave so how many um like full sets of official dress do you carry with you do i carry with me uh two uh well i so i carry two pairs of pants and three shirts just because i tend to the shirts tend to get dirtier a lot quicker. They're um, white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I carry two jackets, one of which I try not to wear. Uh, it's the backup. Uh, so the one that I got on stage Is in that National Convention. Is that the one Convention. you got elected in? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I carry with me. Um, and I've only worn that one. Like, I wore it that day, and then I wore it one other time until they got us another jacket. Just because they, they like us to have two with us at all times mm-hmm. in case you oh, spill case something you on one, it or yeah. something. Yeah, because you can't throw it in the washing machine like it <laughs> takes some effort to get one of those cleaned. it's corduroy yeah, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. clean easy um and so and I, I only like only carry one pair of black shoes um and i, I don't they got us another pair of black shoes but i don't want to wear them which is very <laughs> odd but you get like when you live in a suitcase for as long as i have you get very attached to the very few things that you have yeah um and Your i just small I've amount worn, of possessions yeah what well, i've worn those shoes everywhere i mean every state that i've gone to pretty much every day i wear that one pair of shoes um so you very quickly get attached to them which is really <laughs> but odd they're more but comfortable than heels <laughs> i mean they're wood i walk they're wood the soles yeah. are wood i walk on wood floors all day um and they, not that they're uncomfortable i'm sure heels are much more uncomfortable <laughs> but they're not comfortable by any stretch of the imagination you got um, some dr shoals to put in there no I, I haven't put anything in there i don't know why it would have made sense to do that a long time ago. I just <laughs> never did. Um, but, I mean, you kind of get used to it after. It's like wearing cowboy boots. You get used to it after a while, and then yeah. you don't notice anymore. Um, they are very slick, though. So it's the wood, and then there's leather on the bottom. So mm-hmm. tile or anything. If they get them wet, they're very slippery. You slide um, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting year. It's been interesting to to see a lot of the things from my perspective, from as from the national officer perspective. Um, and I just do way more of the, th- like, I don't necessarily think that I do anything different than what I did as a state officer. I just do way more of it. Um, so I went to nine, yeah, nine state conventions, uh, which was way easier than a state officer in all honesty. Yeah. Because I did, all I did was speak in a couple workshops. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that those are easy, but it's not like I had to memorize the whole convention. Yeah, I got to visit, um, when I was a state officer, I went to Mississippi FFA's convention, and I went to New Hampshire's as well. And I loved those, honestly, probably more than my own, because, you know, the work was taken out of it. You know, I presented a workshop a few times, and then just hung out with my friends and got to hang out with the members. And, and uh, in Mississippi, the all the visiting state officers, we did some pre-sessions, and that was a blast, you know, and it was just easier to connect with the kids, you know. Versus at your own state convention. I mean, you can attest to this. You're running the show, you know? So it's like you can't spend as much time with 
all the other people as you'd like because you're backstage and you're making sure the awards in there are in the right place and does everybody have their stuff memorized is the script on the podium you know and it's, so it's a whole um it's a whole process when you're kind of running your own state convention but visiting it's easy and fun yeah yeah it's definitely a lot more fun and that's kind of a big i mean it's it's a big part of my job description i guess is to have fun with people <laughs> <laughs> which is great um and I, I do work extremely obnoxiously hard, uh, but a good portion of that is just kind of hanging out, which is fun. It's good. Um, and there's obviously a lot that goes into that. Uh, like, I'm expected to lead all of the conversations and, and be <laughs> the fun, uh, which is a lot more effort than it sounds. Um, but it's been good. Yeah. Have you, um, like, realized this year, like, have you been more extroverted, you know, than you have in the past? Or is it kind of just like you are who you are, just, you know, adapting that? for national FFA's purpose? Uh, I mean, I would say you kind of have to be more than anything you've ever done before, just because there's more expected of you as a national officer than there's ever been expected of you. Um, it's one of those weird things. I I know that I have changed a significant amount, um, and not in any major way, but it's just there's, like, I've seen and done so much more stuff than I had before. Um and I feel like I have a much better understanding of things than I did before. So I can't really imagine, like, going... And not that I felt like I was, like, young or naive when I got elected, uh, but to an extent, like, I kind of was. It's just um, like you've grown so much, yeah. you know, since then. You have a yeah, lifetime worth of travel time, built into so little of a yeah. time frame. Which is true, but then at the same time, like, also, I really haven't. Like, I, <laughs> I'm still a goofball and a nerd, and... Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd say I've probably have been more extroverted than I normally am. Um, and part of that is, I mean, that's just the expectation. Um, but not in a bad way. Not like I am forced to do things. It's just I get some really op- cool opportunities that other yeah. people don't get to have. You get to grow and change, you know, in your role. But yeah. still stay to who you are. Yeah, and a big, I think a big part of that, too, is so much of what I do is leadership-oriented um, and helping people grow in their own lives and whatever they want to do. Um, and so a big part of that is studying and learning and making sure that I'm not just making stuff up and, and I'm doing the right thing. Uh, so when you study a lot of that kind of stuff and you learn that and you live it for so long, I mean, you learn stuff for yourself too. I mean, you kind of pick some stuff up along the way. Um, and to me, I mean, this is kind of my like personal ideas on it. Um, a lot of leadership stuff, a lot of the best like speeches or workshops that I've done have been on stuff that I was working on too. So it was a problem that I had, whether it was like organization or uh, it's hard to pick them out now. Um, but like organization was one of the, the really big ones, um, especially as like starting as a state officer and different stuff. And so like I just had a lot of things I had to figure out. Mm-hmm. And so I figured them out and then was like, hey, the other people would need to hear this too. I think it's so interesting because a few of your teammates that I've talked to this year, they say that you're the one that kind of gets everybody in line. And if you weren't around, you know, nothing would get done. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that you were organization wasn't your thing because everyone I've talked to that's worked with you says, yeah, he's been super organized this year. Like he knows what we're doing when we're doing it. You know, so it's kind of neat to see that that kind of change was it's a good change and you implemented it, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think I have a really I have a really strong tendency to. uh like go down a rabbit hole really far and (laughs) (laughs) and do like if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it to an excessive amount um which is 
both a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, but yeah, definitely those, I don't know, there's two, there's a quote by John Maxwell, and then there's another one that I read that I can't remember who it is. Um, gosh, I want to I want to say it was Tim Ferriss or uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. One of the one of those two said the other one, but the John Maxwell one is about it's about your strengths and it's he's talking about taking your your best strength and making that better. So like if you're a seven at writing essays and you make that a nine, that makes way more sense to put your effort into than if you're like poetry skill is a three and you can turn it into a five. I don't know, just to pick an example. Um, it's still a five at yeah. the end of the day, but a seven to a nine is a much more significant jump. And it's otherwise. usefulness too, you know, yeah. like if using your example, you know, poetry is great, but are you, how much are you going to use that in life? You yeah. Know? But an yeah. essay skill, I mean, if you're in high school or college, you write a ton of essays. I have a ton of essays coming up this semester, you know, so it's like improving a skill that you need is also like, that's a huge part of it yeah. too. And then the the other one, so I like I get that Maxwell quote a lot, and I really like it. But then the other one, and I can't remember. I'm sure as soon as we turn this mic off, I'll remember who said it. <laughs> um, but it was about it's just pretty much just directly. It's turn your biggest weakness into your biggest strength. Um, and I feel like I I like that one a lot more. Like I the John Maxwell quote makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I feel like I. I identify and I work better towards turning my biggest weakness into my biggest strength. Um, just because, like, logically thinking over time, eventually, like, everything starts to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think doing those two things in tandem, you know, working on your biggest strength and your biggest weakness at the same time um, is probably the right direction to head in. Um, it's almost like those two quotes are so different. They're almost like they have an opposite outlook, you know, on how it should be. But they're both correct. Yeah. And like in the way that you look at them, you know, you hear the first one and you're like, yeah, I can justify that. You know, and you hear the second one, you're like, yeah, that's right, too. You know, and they're almost opposite. But if you like you said, you'd like to work both of them like at the same time, you know, it kind of covers all your bases. You know, you're working on your greatest weakness, but you're also working on things that you're already good at, but you can improve upon. Yeah, that's for sure. And it, it's definitely an interesting thing to do because and I think a lot of this kind of started when I the first time when I was running for national office is to like run for national office. Uh, pretty much the whole point, I mean, if you want to look at it this way, uh, the whole point of the nominating committee, the whole, like, the person who is running, the candidate, their sole purpose is to explain themselves to the committee. And to do that, you have to know yourself really, really well. Um, so you have to know, like, what are my biggest strengths? What are my biggest weaknesses? And that kind of stuff. And you also have to be able to, like, grow with those you yeah. know just being able to understand that you have a weakness is good but then the next step is being able to understand that enough to be able to fix it you know to figure out in the beginning like okay i'm gonna run for national office in three months like i'm really bad at like organization and you're like okay i'm bad at it you know you need to take that next step and say how can i be better at it you know what does this look like in my life because overnight you're not just going to turn into a guy that has you know a color-coded planner you know, it's going to take a Which different... Which I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a different adaptability. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to figure out in your own life, you know, finding that weakness and fixing it, you know, figuring out what that means for you. Yeah, that's for sure. As Yeah, especially when it comes to weaknesses and, and things along those lines. When you figure some of that stuff out, and then you're like, okay, is that really what I want to have to tell somebody else? Like, when they ask me that question, is that really what I want to say? And then if the answer is no, then fix it. 
and do something about it. Um, so it, yeah, it's definitely an interesting process from both sides uh, to run for national office or to be a part of the selection committee for national office. Um, and there's been, I don't know, there's a lot of people who, from the outside looking in, um, see it in very different ways than I think you and I see it. I mean, a lot of that is there's, um, obviously, especially from your side, there's a lot of things that you can't talk about, uh, like specific like specific <laughs> things about specific Specifically people. Specifically, most of the entire process yeah. I can't talk about. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I don't know, this has been good to kind of demystify it a little bit, because um, I feel like it's kind of a mysterious thing for a lot of people who aren't involved in it. Yeah, I think, and especially people look at it and they're scared, you know, they're scared of the process, and like, oh, the process, the process. You hear this term and you have no idea, like, what it means or what's, like, the depth to that, you know, and just going through it now, I'm like, yep, the process, you know, I kind of have this lighthearted, you know, attitude about it, but... It is, you know, it's very serious. It has a very serious outcome, but the process, especially the new one, is built to bring out the best in people at all times, you know, and I always tell people that ask, they ask for advice, and I'm like, just be yourself, because that's how the new process is built, that if you're just, like, who you are at all times of the day, it's going to be exactly what the nominating committee needs to hear, and you're not going to have any regrets when you walk away and say, oh, I wish I talked about this. This is a big part of who I am. You know, the whole process and the questions are guided towards figuring out who you are in every instance. So. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way to summarize it all up. I know you've got some, some stuff you got to do, and i got to jump on the road here pretty quickly and get headed up to, to Kansas City. But thanks for sitting down. It's good to catch up a little bit. Yeah, it's um, been fun. Yeah, it's been a good time here in Missouri. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. So I'll see you around. Awesome. Great. See you. <laughs>